Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, where we are discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. This is Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. And today we are studying the Torah portion, Vayira, uh, which is, and he appeared. You know, Ryan, we are so excited about this week's Torah portion that's coming up. And uh, it's, of course, Vayira, he appeared. Who, who appeared? God appeared. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, all the way through chapter 22 and verse 24, we have the, uh, the Torah portions. Half Torah is, of course, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 37. And uh, we throw in the Brit Hadashah, something that would reflect upon the half Torah and the Torah would be 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. So once again, the first subject matter that we have here right out of the gate is the Lord appears to Abraham. And uh, we know this is found in Genesis 18, 1, who appears to Abraham, but the Lord. And so it says, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Now the plains of Mamre is where Hebron is. That's where the, the patriarchs and the matriarchs are actually even buried. So here we have uh, Abraham is, of course, uh, here in the plains of Mamre, and the Lord appears to him. Now we would call this a theophany. Because notice, it's, it's, a, it's a visible manifestation to humankind of God or a God, okay? The appearance of a deity to a human. That's what a theophany is. Because it says right here that uh, in verse two, and he lift up his eyes and looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. I would say Abraham had the right reaction to that situation. Oh, he sure did. And we're going to see some fascinating things. So, so how many men appeared to Abraham as he ran to meet them from his tent? Uh, this is Genesis 18, 2. Once again, three. And what does three mean? Three means divine, and it means of the Lord. As we continue on, uh, we have another question that we have to ask. Uh, do you think that Abraham showed hospitality towards the three men? And if so, how? Genesis chapter 18, verses 4 through 8. Well, he gave them water. He washed their feet, he let them rest, gave them bread, took butter and a calf, a calf he dressed and set it before them to eat. So what hospitality did he have towards these strangers? Of course, the Lord appeared to him and, and that's what the, the scriptures say. And I think we could all learn a lot in regards to hospitality. We have a great hospitality ministry here at Beit Tehillah with, uh, with D. Cromwell and her ministry team. And uh, they, of course, prepare uh, meals after the services and special meals and occasions and things, men's meeting, women's meeting, different things. Uh, but hospitality here at Bay Tehila is something that I think everyone uh, needs to learn about, you know. I would say that in this situation, Abraham went the extra mile. You know how like when you're gonna have people over to your house and you go to Sam's Club or whatever store you're going to, and like depending on, you know, the size of the group or whatever, you'll buy like a, a veggie tray, but like sometimes you'll get like the fruit and veggie tray and the cheese tray and the 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 meat selection tray or whatever it is, right? I mean the whole the whole kit and caboodle. And he really uh, laid out the spread. I would I would think that in his day, uh, he ran out, grabbed an animal to kill. He 
uh, prepared uh, all kinds of stuff to lay before them. And it says that Abraham stood by the tree and watched them eat. I thought that was interesting. You know, in regard to hospitality, it just came to my mind as, as we reflect on this and how relevant the Torah portions are. You know, when we have UPS come or FedEx come or something, they deliver packages or they'll bring the mail to our door. We always want to give them a bottle of water. You know, hey, would you like a bottle of water? Sometimes they take it, sometimes they don't, but but we do offer it. Now, what's, what's amazing, Ryan, is the fact that God came with two angels to declare something personally through a theophany. This is what's amazing to me, how personal he is. And Ryan, the times in which we live right now, I believe the Lord is going to be appearing to us in the days ahead, whether it's a theophany or a manifestation, whatever he wants to do, he's going to come to us, encourage us in this, in, in the Hebrews of the Christian faith. I think he's going to really show himself um, to, to be incredible. So he didn't waste a trip either. He well, came no. for multi, he was Absolutely. a multifaceted He trip. did. He had some things going on. You're going to see a contrast here with, with the next subject matter. But so what did one of the men say to Abraham about his wife, Sarah? Well, in Genesis 18:10, she shall have a son. Imagine that. And you know, <laughs> think about this. After hearing that she would bear a son, what was Sarah's response? You know, in Genesis 18:12, she laughed. She laughed. And I think, Ryan, you brought out that she, it was like an internal laugh. Well, yeah, it says it says she laughed on. within herself. She laughed, and so, but then, but then, uh, God calls her out, right? He says, "That's good." She's like, "I didn't laugh," and he says, "Yeah." It, it says, "Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also?'" So she laughed within herself, and it's interesting when, when Jesus would walk into a room or Yeshua, he would uh, he would know their thoughts. Remember that. So so he knows what's going on inside of us. He knows the ugly inside of us, and he knows the good that's inside of us as well as we learn to to deal with others. And so once again, she laughed, and what a what an incredible thing is happening here. And going back to this contrast, you know, we have to also look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Why was God going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis eighteen twenty? Because uh, the sin was very grievous. That's right. Their sin was very grievous. Now, notice the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. So God comes to Abraham with two angels and says, you're going to have a son. And at the same time, he says, look, their sin was very grievous, Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, of course, what happens after the men began to go toward Sodom? And who remained with Abraham? The Lord. The Lord. The Lord remained with Abraham. So those two gentlemen that were with the Lord were actually two angels. So now they're dispatched to do something. So at the same time that he was promised a son, judgment is coming. It's kind of and we're seeing judgment, you know, in, in many forms and, and, and facets, I think, in the earth as, as we talk about different things. Even in our insurance policy, it talks about an act of God, you know, whether it's a hurricane or, or this or that. But but it's something to consider. And so, so I love this next part is uh, uh, Abraham was an intercessor. And so he, we, can, we can see this because of Genesis 18, 23. Uh, what was Abraham's question to God about his judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah? He's like, hey, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He was an, inter he was an intercessor. You know, he cared about people, you know, and he cared about even the righteous. And so, so how many... People, do, I mean, if we look at this, and, and, and even in Genesis chapter 18, verses 24 through 32, we can list in order how many righteous people are needed for God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And the final number that God came to in his conversation with Abraham. Uh, so once again, it started with 50. He wouldn't judge it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't bring judgment. 45, he wouldn't. 40, 30, 20, even 10. 
10, and he wouldn't bring judgment. So what happened? He brought judgment. Now, the number 10 is the number for a minion. Uh, anytime the Jewish want to pray, uh, the Jewish people want to pray in public or whatever, they, they need a minion of, of 10, uh, which is very interesting. This is where we get the word minion or the number 10. So once again, we have an incredible amount of subject matter with the Lord appearing to Abraham. Now we have, of course, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Now two angels appear to Lot in Genesis 19, verses 1 through 38. We have two angels appear to Lot. And so this is the same angels. Right. So they were the, they were the, these were the two angels. Right. You know, and so something was actually getting ready to go down, and we don't have time to elaborate and everything, but the bottom line is that Lot was at the gate in Genesis 19, 1. You know, at one time, Abraham and Lot were in Egypt and the families were down in Egypt. And so Lot chose to pitch his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. If you remember when, at, when Abraham and, and Lot divided up, they separated, you know, uh, Abraham went one way and, and Lot went the other and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Yeah, well, and, and you know, Lot Next had, thing you know, he's at the gate. Yeah, he's, Lot, he's the mayor. Lot had the choice too, right? So Abram said, you know, whichever way you go, I'll go the other way. Right. So really the ball was in Lot's court and he chose to go Absolutely. be in the metropolitan, you know, area, uh, you know, kind of like what he had in Egypt where there was, um, you know, the culture and the idolatry and the metropolitan feel. He wanted to go and be where the action was happening. And that's where, of course, we see the, the power of influence is at the gate. Right. Who's coming in, who's going out. You know, uh, I know Yeshua talks about the gates of hell will not prevail against his called out ones, you know, because we should be in control of the gates. <laughs> Now, after the men of Sodom circled the house and called out to Lot, what do they want to do to the two strangers in Lot's house? Because Lot took them in. He brought them out of the, the square and brought them into his home. Well, these people, they wanted to know these two gentlemen. Now, we're not going to get into in detail about this subject matter, but the bottom line is that to know them is, of course, an improper relationship with spiritual beings. So something was going on uh, in the spiritual realm with, with fallen angels or whatever was going on in, in that regard. But it actually to have those two angels in the house, the people knew what was going on. They, sure, they, I, they knew they were some spiritual beings. They wanted to know them. So we would just simply say that this is an improper relationship with spiritual beings. And we know even in Jude, it talks about angels that left their first estate and all these other things that were going on, you know, that's, um, that's, it's very interesting subject matter to study as well. Yeah, and so. I don't think this is the only time in scripture where God judged a group of people uh, because of, and then it also being, you know, coincidentally associated with angels and people having some sort of uh, improper relationship. And also, and, and I don't have the address in front of me, but I know, I do believe it's in Ezekiel that he also brought judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah because the way they treated the poor people, uh, the poor class, and also the widows and orphans, uh, from my understanding. So there was uh, multiple reasons for bringing judgment. So when the men of Sodom became angry with Lot and nearly broke down the door, what did the men do inside the house? They pulled Lot inside and struck the other men with blindness. That's so a now, pretty cool skill. If I had a superpower, the, the people, kind of cool. uh, people had, had blindness, you know? And it's like with any sin, we know that uh, we can be blinded to our own sin. And, and just like the, the point of uh, looking at this particular example, you know, when we're blinded, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes we got to get through the storm. But the, the sad thing is we know that after the blindness definitely comes the judgment. So Lot and his wife and, and, and two daughters were, were instructed to leave the city. And so they, they needed to leave the city and to not look back and to escape to the mountain. And uh, it's interesting because even though uh, 
Lot's daughter's husbands just thought he was just, you know, that it was kind of uh, not taken seriously. I find that incredibly interesting because they, they not only, they mocked him, right? It says they mocked him when he warned them. And it's like, look, you know, we've got the angels of God themselves coming here warning us and we're trying to get out of here. And yet you, you mock uh, what, what God is telling us. And I think that uh, we can all relate to being either side of that story, right? We, us feeling like we've heard from God and telling somebody and being mocked or being the one that, you know, uh, maybe there's things that God's trying to tell us through other people that we've mocked that maybe we need right. to go back and look at. You know? I think people mock us because we believe the Torah is relevant for today. There's scoffers and mockers, but you know what? Um, it's not been done away with. We, we, we shared on our first podcast that the Torah is teachings and instructions, and it is relevant for today. So once again, you know, we, we know in the story that Lot's wife looked back, she became a pillar of salt. And of course, what was, uh, what was actually uh, rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis nineteen twenty four? but brimstone and fire. What's interesting about Sodom and Gomorrah is that they do believe that they have found uh, these cities near the Dead Sea, and they're actually finding brimstone, which is which is a, a, a which is fl- highly flammable. You can you can actually get these balls of brimstone from these archaeological sites and actually light them on fire, and it causes a blue flame, an intense heat that you can still light this particular brimstone. Uh, out of these archaeological places where they say there's like walls and there's even the shape of window sills, like a window. And so there's actually brimstone in these areas and it's, 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 a, it's a public record. It's, it's, it's just proof. And so we had the opportunity if somebody had brought some of that brimstone back to our church and we put it in tinfoil and, and we actually lit it on fire and it actually could melt a coin, just totally dissolve a coin. And, and as we look at this contrast, once again, God comes to Abraham to tell him he's going to have a son. He judges Sodom and Gomorrah. And look at this in Genesis chapter 19, verses 27 and 28. Who looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the smoke of the country going up as the smoke of a furnace? Who was it, Ryan? Abraham. Abraham witnessed the judgment himself. You know, uh, uh, and it's even been even been referenced, uh, and I do believe even Jonathan Kahn was making reference to this, and I, I tend to believe and agree that in the times in which we live, there can be revival, but there can also be judgment at the same time. So we can see things going on where there's actually, um, there's judgment, but there's there's also revival. And so as, as we begin to look at the next subject matter of, of Abraham, and of course, we're not going into great detail uh, in regard to Lot and his daughters and all of that, uh, which today uh, is, is relevant as far as the country of Jordan. You know, um, Lot's uh, daughters had two children, Moab and Ben-Ami. Uh, of course, we have the Moabites today, which was Ruth. We have uh, Ben-Ami, which is Ammon, the, the Ammonites today. So because of that, uh, once again, that was a, a relationship, an improper relationship uh, that we won't go into detail, but it, it's there anyway. There's a lot of bad things that have come out of improper relationships. I wonder you know, if there's a, a, th- a common thread there. I think it's the number one downfall of our culture is improper relationships and not even knowing how to have a relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship. But as we move forward in the next subject matter, Abraham is going to sojourn in Gerar, uh, Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And uh, of course, we know that uh, there's a couple times where Abraham uh, 
makes mention that Sarah was his sister and not his wife because he was fearful for his life. Yeah, the first so time he said, was don't say Sarah. you're my wife. Yeah. You're my sister. And, and it's a half truth because actually Abraham and Sarah, they had the same father, but different mothers. So he did all this and he, and he feared for his life, but God got him out of it. You know, God got him out of that pickle, you know, got him out of it. Sure. So as we move forward and continue on in, in this particular Torah portion, we're going to have the birth of Isaac. Finally, the birth of Isaac in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 18. And so... Uh, we know that the, um, the name of the son born to Abraham and Sarah was Yitzhak. Uh, the son born to, of um, course, Abraham and, and Hagar was Ishmael. So we had to actually, uh, we had to uh, distinguish that this covenant or this promise was made to Abraham and Sarah, not Abraham and Hagar. A lot of people don't know that, but that's important to know uh, between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. The, the, the son born to Abraham and Sarah was Yitzhak, and his name means laughter. Why? Because Sarah laughed. So why not name the kid after what Sarah did internally, and she thought it was funny. And, and I think even today we would laugh at uh, an elderly woman of that age giving birth to a son. It, it is quite humorous. We even laugh today about it among our elders, but notice that as we move forward in this, what's the sign of the Abrahamic covenant? But circumcision. So it, yeah. Not and only that, I mean, Isaac was circumcised at if, if you don't mind, eight we days can old. Go back to the, the the laughter. I mean, think about this for a second. She is ninety years old, right? I mean, we know some ninety years year old ladies, uh, and you're right. I don't see them having any kids anytime soon. No. And uh, I guess it makes sense to laugh when you hear that, right? Like, <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous thought. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, God did it, right? If he wants to accomplish something, and then he said, he "You know what?" And because of that, he says, "And because of that, you're going to name your kid laughter. You're going to laugh at my. Mm, I I said it would happen, and it's going to happen. And now I, I was going to let you name him something cool. And you know, look at what, look at what the Lord did to the the father of John the Baptist. You know, oh, you don't believe your your wife's going to have a son? Well, you're not going to be able to speak until he's born. <laughs> so you know, it's all these little things that are happening with right. children, you know. Well, I thought I was going to have a son and I had a daughter. I thought I was going to have a daughter and I had a son and, and all these interesting things, you know. I know even with my wife and I, you know, we, we have three sons and, and four daughters. What, but it's just something to think about. Well, and those little doubt things, like they, there's, a, a, I think, a commentary in the sages that talks about when uh, God was, was promising all this to Abraham and Abraham was kind of not really giving him, uh, you know, any backlash, but uh, doubting for a moment. God said, well, you know what? Your your descendants are going to go into captivity for 400 years as the proof, right? If I have to give you a sign, well, right. here's the sign. If you're not just going to believe it's me, it's not going to affect you, but it's me. going to happen. Correct. You know, and, and then, of course, as we begin to look at this story unfolding, another uh, subject matter is that, of course, Hagar and Ishmael are cast out. Uh, we can read about this in Genesis chapter 21, verses 9 through 21. So Hagar and Ishmael are cast out. Um, the next subject matter that I want to kind of touch on just topically here is that Abraham makes a covenant with Abimelech. And this is Genesis chapter 21, verses 17 through 34. You can read it for yourself, but this is an agreement that Abraham made with Abimelech, Abimelech made with Abraham. And as I, as you share your faith in, in your Christian walk, you know, you can make agreements with people that don't necessarily agree with you or, or living a life that you're living or believe like you believe, but we can make covenants with one another. We can make agreements, you know, and, 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 and it can be actually beneficial uh, to both parties. And I don't have time to get into all that because we want to, of course, save the best for last as far as subject matter. 
This is Abraham's supreme test. Uh, you can go back and study this for yourself. Abraham was tested 10 times and he passed every test. If you go back and study the children of Israel, uh, the Lord says, you have tested me these 10 times, you children of Israel, and we failed all 10 of them as a group. So as a group, we really have to work harder to be obedient and to please the Father. But this is Abraham's supreme test in Genesis chapter 22, verses one through 19. So, so what did God tell Abraham to do to his son Isaac? And where did he tell him to go in Genesis 22, two? Well, he told him to uh, offer him up as a burnt offering. Strange request in my book. Yes, in the land of Moriah. And in Moriah. A right. human sacrifice, literally. Yep. And so here, some interesting things here as well. You know, did Abraham tell the two young men that he was coming back with his son? Genesis 22, 5. Did Abraham tell the two young men that he was coming back with a son? Yes. He did. And in context, wow. that's, that's interesting. I right? don't know what he was thinking, but he said, hey, you know what? We're going to come back. And, and that, that, to me, that's faith. So I don't know what his perception was of resurrection or his son or anything to that regard. But if he was promised that son, he believed that he would return back. And so, uh, and so what question did Isaac ask his father as they journeyed up the mountain? Because they, the, they had the sticks. They had the fire. And what was the question, Ryan? The most Isaac... heart, the most heart wrenching question possible at that moment, probably for Abraham, which is, uh, I see the sticks, I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? This yeah. is what Isaac was asking. He's a grown man. He's not some little teenager. Yeah, he's grown. I you heard know? he was thirty seven. Right. And so here's the response of of the father, Father Abraham. His response to his son's question about. You know, where's the, where's the land for the burnt offering? He said, God will provide. God will provide. And so what did Abraham do after he built an altar and lay on the wood? He bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Genesis 22, 9. So here it is. This is the climax. This is the end of the movie, the end of the story. This is something that is just leading up to something incredible. So as Abraham stretched forth his hand to slay his son with a knife, who called out to him to stop him? The Lord. The oh, an angel, angel of the, the Lord. Angel of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, Genesis 22, 11. So, so you notice that God's, a lot of times he's not early, but he's never late. He's right on time. Praise so God. as far as the restoration of the Greek guy in the whole house of Israel, he's not going to be late. He's going to be right on time. So we don't want to jump the gun or take prophecies of, of, of a private interpretation, but we need to think about this. So, so what proof is there that Abraham truly feared God in Genesis 22, 12, Ryan? What's the answer to that? What proof is there that Abraham truly feared God? Well, he was about to, well, he, the fact that he didn't withhold his son from God, right? I mean, he was not willing to withhold his son, Isaac. Yeah. The very promise that was given to him, he was going to give back. That's, that's, that's incredible. And so as we look at this now, so what's going to be the burnt offering now? So if this is all climax to a burnt offering and, and that something had to, 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 to give in or something had to happen, what was caught in a thicket? It was a ram. And what did Abraham do? He went and got it and he offered took, it up to God. He offered it up as a burnt offering, yeah. Genesis twenty two thirteen. Which, you know, Pastor Russell last night during our, our study um, brought up a very interesting point that God, you mentioned God's timing. God isn't always on time. He's never late, right? That's right. He's, I mean, his timing is just impeccable to the point where Abram, uh, Abraham and Isaac didn't see the ram until after he, they got all the way up the mountain, got right. bound Isaac, getting ready to you know, bring the knife Couldn't down on him. Couldn't even guess that there's something else uh, yeah. and until then, they boom, got up there. There it was. So, so what did Abraham call the name of that place? Uh, Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yira, depending and, on And what does it mean? It means God will provide. 
the Lord will see or provide. Wow. Which is actually, isn't yeah. this, isn't Mount Moriah the, this this place underneath the Temple Mount today? Isn't that this? this it's, is, it's located there. Yeah. I mean, you have the Mount of Olives, you know? Right. And, and so, then so Moriah know. being the place where uh, this, this occurred and then uh, Yahweh Yira being the beginning of Jerusalem, right? So this is the city of Jerusalem and the Yira, it's that area, Yerushalayim, right? I think so. Now, you know, this is called the, uh, in Genesis chapter 22, it's called the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, Yitzhak. Now this portion is actually read on the second day of Yom Teruah uh, among the Jewish people, uh, the binding of Isaac. Now we know that this is a picture of Yeshua, of Jesus, because he is the lamb that was caught in the thicket. Yeshua is the lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. You know, in John chapter eight, verses 56 through 58, in regard to Genesis 22 and this whole story with Abraham and Isaac, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not yet 50 years old and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Now imagine that. Boom. I am. The deity is right there. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Now that's incredible. That is the incredible. type and shadow of this story well, and, actually and I being am being played the name out. Of, I am being the name of God, right? He is claiming, you know, I am. So that to me brings out Yeshua in an incredible way. And, and all of us know as, as, as Christians, the scriptures are very clear. And I want to say this in closing of this podcast to this degree, uh, that the Jewish people are blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, of Yeshua. And so is it, is it fair to punish them for that? Uh, no, it's not. It's not fair to punish them for that. So why were they blinded? And I won't get into Romans, but they were blinded so we could come in. So how much more should we be obedient? How much more should we love the Jewish people where they're at and build relationships with them? And that's one of the things we're going to be doing at Beit Tehillah, Ryan, is we're going to be uh, working together, Christians and Jews working together for the common good of, of Israel, of communities, of anything we can do to make this world a better place and, and not to try to convert one another, but to really come up with an understanding and a respect to pull this off. Because in closing here, and, and, I, and I have to finish it out with, of course, uh, these last a uh, few things. So what will the seed of Abraham possess in Genesis twenty two seventeen? The gate of his enemies. So in Yeshua's name, we can possess the gate of our enemies, the gate of his enemies. That means positions of influence, everybody. We should have more influence than the culture around us. We should have more influence than what our community is trying to throw on us or peer pressure or whatever it is. So once again, you know, we have some interesting things. So the last subject matter that I want to kind of close out with is something to think about. And you'll see this pattern throughout the Torah portions. I discovered this uh, last year, but, but we can reiterate this. It's very important that you understand this. We have, of course, Nahor, the brother of Abraham's uh, family mentioned. We have Nahor, the brother of Abraham mentioned uh, in Genesis chapter 22, verses 20 through 24. This is the family uh, of Abraham, uh, who, of course, Nahor is the brother of Abraham. And, and I'm only bringing this up because it's interesting that you'll see two columns that you need to look at. Uh, one's active and one's inactive. So you'll see the storyline being played out as active, like Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and everything. But over here, you have Nahor, and he's kind of an inactive family member. You don't really see any stories about him, but he's mentioned. It just reminds me of our families that are inactive. You know, we need to pray for them. We need to believe for them. But 
over on this column, we are active. We're actively seeking God, actively pursuing, you know, the, the Father in, in Yeshua's name. And so I want to bring that out, the contrast in the family. So we're not here to, to beat up our families or to alienate our families or to isolate them or to call them out, but we want to believe for their salvation as well, uh, our families. And we want to love them where they're at and respect them. But once again, we want to be active, not inactive. It's all about a right action, Ryan. Absolutely. And as we finish up, I want to give you just some resources. Uh, this is a packed tour portion. There's a lot in here. We could spend uh, several podcasts uh, just going through the content uh, in it. Uh, but you can go to our website at topraise.net and there's a tab that says Torah. And then there's another tab that says Torah portions. And you can get the actual scriptures we're going over every week. Um, like this one is called Viera. Uh, and you can get the Torah portions in order and by by date of uh, when we're studying them and or which Shabbat they fall on and where they're going to be read in every synagogue. Synagogue, uh, throughout the world. And you can also find uh, the half Torah, which is uh, a section from the prophets. And then you can also find uh, what we call a Brit Hadashah or a New Testament portion as well there. Uh, and this one being uh, in 2 Peter 2, uh, 4 through 11. As always, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so through our website at topraise.net or via email at info at topraise.net. And if you wanted to call the office, you can call us at 813-654-2222. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Have a great day.